Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us here at Evangel Church. I'm so glad to have you here with us, even if it's digitally. Um, I wish I could see your face and like actually look you in the eyes and let you know how thrilled I am that you're here because you mean so much to us. We're going to jump into Hebrews 13 this morning. We are like officially concluding um, today, but next week we have our whole staff. We're going to be doing a panel and we're going to be um, kind of wrapping up this series with our own personal thoughts about Hebrews. So flip on over to your Bible to Hebrews 13. Well, this week I posted something on Instagram that had really resonated with me. It was a post by an organization called Parent Q. And Parent Q is a ministry that helps parents intentionally invest in the spiritual lives of their kids. It's great. It has so many great resources, so many great ideas and articles. So parents or people that are raising kids, uh, grandparents who are raising kids or just invested grandparents, head on over to Parent Q C U E. There's so much good stuff there. This was the post. It's okay if you're still grieving the loss of the life you once knew. It's okay if you're still grieving the loss of the life you once knew. And that really resonated with me because if you know me, or we've had a conversation for longer than five minutes, you know that I'm a planner. Fellow planners, identify yourselves in the comments. Let's start a support group afterwards. But I really like to have things planned out ridiculously far in advance to be ordered. It just makes me feel um, sane. And so the hardest part, I think, about COVID is that it completely scrambled every single one of my plans. And it continues to scramble even the plans I make, like, on the most recent of days. And that makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, and that was kind of the heart behind this post, or in the caption at least. It's okay if you're still grieving the loss of the life you once knew. It's okay to grieve the comfortable life you had. It's okay to grieve the plans that fell through. It's okay to grieve the routine that has evaporated. It's okay to sit in the discomfort and to grieve it for a moment, to feel it and to process it. And I'm going to go on a really quick rabbit trail, but I'm a big believer in processing all of our emotions. I believe that God wants us to be healthy um, in all the aspects of our life and emotional health often gets overlooked. But God created us with this wide range of big emotions. Jesus gave us uh, looks at his life and he did the whole wide range of emotions from grief to joy to anger. And so in order to honor God with the entirety of our lives, I think we need to process our emotions in a healthy way fully. Okay, so that's my rabbit trail. But as I sat in the discomfort of this moment to process it, to process, you know what? You're right. There are things that I'm still grieving about losing in the midst of COVID. And then as I was processing that, I started to process different things that I've learned over the past uh, six, seven months, whatever we're at 
listening to leaders that are far wiser and more experienced than I am. And I had to like kind of come to this moment of going, you know what? I think sometimes our comfort is the problem. I'm grieving that my comfortable life is gone. But how many times do I allow that comfortable life to keep me handcuffed to my own desires, to my own wants, and keep me locked away from the big, maybe scary plans that God has for me? Comfort's what keeps me from speaking up when I get that nudge from the Holy Spirit. Comfort is the thing that keeps me from taking that leap of faith when the Holy Spirit says, jump. Comfort is the fence that keeps me from the adventure of partnering with God. Let me say that again. Comfort is the fence that keeps us from the adventure of partnering with God. It keeps us locked into our own little comfortable rectangle when there's so much more, so much beyond the line of that fence. So I'd love to know, I'd love to get your participation. How has your comfort kept you from the adventure of partnering with God? How has your comfort kept you from the adventure of partnering with God? Go ahead and write it in the chat below. And I'd love to read um, through and see if we're on the same page. Learn from one another as well as we can when we're like, all in our own living rooms and bedrooms, wherever you're watching this. Comfort's the fence that keeps us from the adventure of partnering with God. So we need to learn to be okay to sit in the discomfort for a moment, to process it fully. But then I think we need to take that one step further. And you know I love that phrase, taking it one step further. And allowing the discomfort to spur us on to see God at work. What is it that God is doing around us? What is it that God's doing in me in this moment? If I ask him to show me, I will see his leading. I will see his participation, his peace, his provision. If I ask him to open my eyes to see him, he does. And then I need to take even that one step further and allow my discomfort to spur me on to leaning in to him. I need to allow it to stir up in me a need to be with him and to turn to him as my source. Because we all know we are very independent people who very often turn to ourselves as the source of what we need in our discomfort. But maybe, just maybe, this morning we will all take that challenge together to allow ourselves to press through our discomfort, through ourselves, straight on to the throne of grace where a God who longs to be all that we need is waiting with open arms for us. So again, like I said, we're going to head to Hebrews 13 this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn there with me. Digital, paper, it doesn't matter. If you don't have a Bible, if you head to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. There are a couple links there to App Store so you can get a great digital Bible on whatever smart device you have. There's also a form there if you would like a paper Bible, and that is just our gift to you. If you fill that out, we will make sure that we get one into your hands. So Hebrews 13, and we're going to kind of um, 
we center in here from verses 10 to 16 this morning and go ahead and read the whole chapter on your own because it's great. Um, but I just want to like kind of zero in here this morning. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the town. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly confess his name. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Let's pray. So, Father God, I thank you so much that we do have a city that we hope for. We do have a hope of an eternity with you. And that does give us comfort in the midst of discomfort. But God, this morning, would you help us to learn how to lean in and lean through the uncomfortable moments in our life to see you, to partner with you, and to express our great need for you. And so this morning, would you show us what it means to choose the discomfort, to bear the disgrace you bore, to partner in this adventure of life with you through this passage in Hebrews. As always, hear the truth, Holy Spirit. Would you go forth? Would your words go forth? And would you just allow anything that's born of myself just to float away? But God, would your message, would that land, would that bear fruit? Because we so desperately want to hear from you. In your precious name, amen. So how do we get comfortable with discomfort? That's really our question this morning. How do we choose it? And how do we lean into pleasing God according to this passage? Um, the first thing that we are going to see, and I kind of alluded to it in my prayer, is that we have to be okay with the pain. In Hebrews 13, verses 10 to 14, we kind of hear about this sacrifice um, in the terms of the Levitical law. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. So let's just pause for a second. Um, because as with all things in Hebrews, if we don't understand the Levitical law, if we don't go back to the Old Testament, we're going to have a hard time understanding what the writer of Hebrews is alluding to in these passages. So we know that there were sacrifices that were offered to, to atone for sin throughout the Old Testament. Up until Jesus died on the cross to be our sacrifice once and for all. Of all of those sacrifices, a portion was allowed to be withheld for the priests. They were actually allowed to partake or to eat um, like the grain offerings, the meat offerings, etc. 
the exception for that was on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the priests would make their own sacrifice. They'd sacrifice a bull, but then two goats would be brought in. And they would draw lots, and one of the goats would be sacrificed to atone for the sins of the entire community. And that would be the blood that would be brought into the Holy of Holies, like we're reading here. And that body would be brought outside of the grounds of the camp, outside of the gates. And that body would be burned in completion um, away from the camp. And then the blood would be brought, and it would be poured onto the second goat, who would be led out into the wilderness and released. And that goat was the scapegoat. And we use this phrase still in our English language. We use the scapegoat as someone who takes the blame for someone else. And in the same way, Jesus fulfilled the law to perfection. As he left Jerusalem to Calvary, he left the city gates. He went outside of the camp. And the sacrifice was made there outside of the camp. And it tells us in the Bible, he bore our sin and death. He is and always will be our scapegoat. When we ask for his forgiveness, he takes all of that upon himself. And I love this picture of this in Leviticus because it's this beautiful illustration that God is giving the, the people, this tangible way of seeing that he has removed their sin from them. Their sin has left the camp. It's gone forever and ever. And we get to know that God will remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. They can never touch. They can never go in the same direction. Um, and so we have that same assurance that we are forgiven. Okay, on to verse 13, continuing on. So let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. And so we have this kind of twofold thing of this original audience of Hebrews. So remember, they're, they're warring within themselves. Do we follow the rituals of the Levitical law or do we follow Christianity? What do we do? And they're kind of at war within themselves. And so the writer is saying, like, you know what? We don't have an altar like that. We don't have the altar of the rituals of the Jewish faith and the Levitical law. Those are gone. We don't need to worry about that anymore. We do have an altar though. We have Jesus who is our perfect atoning sacrifice. And so come with him, follow him outside of the camp. And you're gonna have to bear the disgrace he bore. You're gonna have to bear the fact that, that he was um, crucified by his own people. You're going to have to bear that. Are you okay with it? But there's a second question here for us. And we don't have that same war, likely. Maybe you do. Um, but I think we have a different war. You see, for us, I think it is really easy to run outside the camp to run to the sacrifice. It's pretty easy to run to the cross. I don't know what the cross represents for you, but for me, the cross represents freedom. The cross represents 
forgiveness. The cross is the place where Jesus exchanged my sin, my punishment, my death for his life, for his freedom, for his pardon and grace. So running to the cross for me, well, that's pretty easy. That's comfortable. Um, when I'm like just kind of at the end of myself, I was telling Marcus the other day, like I was having a hard time sleeping and, and um, one of the things that I'll, I'll just do because I'm a visual person is that when I'm lying in bed and I can't sleep, I just almost imagine that I have all of these necklaces um, that are representing different things. So I have like a necklace that says my kids and me on it. And I will just, in my mind's eye, take them off one at a time and just lay them at the foot of the cross. Just in a representation that, you know what, this thing that is keeping me awake right now, this thing that is filling me with anxiety and dread, I don't need to carry it. I don't need to wear that. Jesus, it's yours. And I have to do it over and over and over because we're human and we like to pick things up. But running to the cross, that's the easy part. Bearing the disgrace that Jesus bore, that's a whole lot harder, isn't it? As I was studying um, this passage, another English word for this Greek word, if we translate it, is reviling. Oh, I mean, if you give me a choice between disgrace or reviling, I think I'm going to choose this grace, thank you. Will we bear the reviling that he bore? We have been asked to carry our cross alongside of Jesus. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Following Jesus is often going to be uncomfortable because it means dying to myself every day. But it also means being prepared for following Jesus to cost me everything. I mean, if I take my cross with me, I've literally brought a means of execution with me. I need to be prepared that following Jesus is going to cost everything and still choose the cross. It means that I have to willingly embrace this life of discomfort to bear the disgrace he bore, to bear the revilement he bore. And I know we're starting like really low and I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're starting at the like depressing part and we'll go up from there. But I think it's so important that we kind of have a reality check sometimes because we can get so caught up in this. You know, we follow Jesus. Life is just sunshine and rainbows. And you know what? That's not the life we've been promised. If we were supposed to bring our cross with us, Jesus knew that it was going to be full of discomfort and hard and peculiar. But that's what he asks us to embrace. 
But I think it's also important that we remember that God is not some sadistic being who loves to torment people. He didn't ask um, his disciples to take up their cross and follow him because he really was hoping uh, that they would be tortured. He does not root for our pain. He does not root for our trials. But he does know that we live in a broken world full of broken people, and he does see further out than we do. And we're reminded of that here in verse 14. For we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We are looking toward with hope to the prize of being with Jesus for eternity. And 1 Peter 4.13 reminds us of this as well. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you go outside the camp, if you take up your cross and choose to bear the disgrace of Jesus, it's going to be uncomfortable. But even in the discomfort, friends, we can embrace life. We can push through that pain to seeing our need for Jesus because we hold on to hope. We hold on to the fact that this life is temporary and that Jesus is victorious over all. And we can take heart because we have the hope that a time is coming when all will be set right. When all pain will fade, when every tear is wiped away. And so we press through the discomfort into our relationship with Jesus. And we ask him for the eyes to see where he is at work around us and in us. And we press on. We press through and we press on so that we can praise. In verse 15 it goes on. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And I kind of marvel sometimes, and I, I mean, in wonder, that God in all of his wisdom orders the Bible as he does. This is not how I would order the verses. I would probably start with praise, um, have pain, and then have some sort of encouragement that's like, good for you, you can do it, you can make it through. But that's not how God works in his upside-down kingdom. He starts with the pain, and the praise comes following it. Meaning, I don't have a reason not to praise God. There is no reason not to praise God because God knew that pain was going to be part and parcel of life and he didn't let us off the hook. In fact, he still calls us to it through Jesus, therefore. All of the stuff to bear the disgrace he bore through Jesus, therefore. You're looking now, fixing your eyes upon him. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And this it, phrase, fruit of lips, is a reference to Hosea 14.2, and I want to read this to you because it's beautiful. Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, 
Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Friends, we are people who have been forgiven of all of our sins and who have been received graciously. So the only thing that's left is now to keep up the end of our bargain as humanity and to offer the fruit of our lips. Discomfort doesn't limit our praise because our praise isn't dependent on our circumstances. Our praise extends beyond them. Our praise is dependent on the grace and the mercy of God, on who he is. And praise is so often an act of faith. It's choosing to change our focus, to set our eyes firmly on Jesus rather than on the things around us in our situation. We don't turn back because of the pain. We press through with praise. What can you praise God for this morning? Our praise isn't dependent on what's in our hands or what's around us. It's dependent on who God is. So can we just have a little moment right now? I'm going to ask you to do something that's maybe uncomfortable, but that's okay because we're choosing discomfort. Right now, would you type into the chat box something that you can praise God for? Remember, praise is not dependent on our circumstances. Praise is who God is. How can we encourage each other right now with the truth of who God is? God, you are faithful. God, you are mighty. Maybe you do want to just thank him for something that is around you. That's okay. But right now, can we encourage one another, lift up a song of praise, a silent typing, click, 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 clack, whatever, song of praise in the chat. And we are going to be a little beautiful digital choir right now, lifting up our song of digital praise because we press through, friends. We press through the discomfort with praise. And last, we practice our faith. You just keep typing. I'm going to keep talking. You type. Verse 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. And because I know, and I already wrote that I'm running over time, because I know that I am, I want to give you a starting point, okay? Right from the beginning of Hebrews 13. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be kept or be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can human beings do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace and not by the eating of ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who observe such rituals. And then we get into verse 10. That's a really good starting point if you're kind of thinking, like, how do I put faith into action? Let's go back to Hebrews 13, start at verse 1. 
And I kind of wish that the Bible had bullet points. I was saying to Lucas, like, I don't know how to string all this together because it's very proverbsy, um, where every sentence is a new thought, and it would just be so perfect to be bullet pointed. Anyway, let me just say this about putting our faith into practice. If our lives aren't distinguishable as Christ followers, then perhaps we have been choosing our comfort too often. So I know for me personally, putting faith into practice often means laying down my own rights. It means laying down my own wants and desires and choosing instead to ask God to use my days to allow God to do a deep work of purification within me and to choose his kingdom over my own. And so putting our faith into practice is often embracing discomfort. Well, in closing, uh, the last week and a half were uncomfortable in our family. Um, we had both our car and our washing machine die like within a day of each other. And I remember asking a friend if there was a laundromat in town and then as I'm texting her, like promptly bursting out laughing because it doesn't matter if there's a laundromat in town, I can't get there. And all is well, everything is fixed and returned to us. But as I'm like using a plunger to wash the laundry in my bathtub, it felt a little all-consuming. And I know that it's kind of ridiculous uh, because we can live without a washing machine and a car, but it just felt very big, <laughs> very, very big in that moment. It was just one of those, like, I don't think I could take any more right now kind of moments. And so in the middle of one particularly pity partying bathtub uh, laundry sessions, this song came on from my Spotify playlist. And I want to read you some of the lyrics. I count on one thing, the same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will praise your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit beckoned me nearer to him because that's what discomfort does, friends. It causes us to lean in to God. And in that moment, I needed the God who never fails. I needed the God who is never late. And I had a choice to make. Would I continue to wallow in my pity party of I can't take one more or would I choose to lift my eyes off of my circumstances and praise him because he is unchanging and he is good. Friends, comfort is the fence that keeps us from the adventure of partnering with God, but we have a choice. Are we going to stay in the comfortable or in those discomfort? 
discomfort moments of life will we push through and push past and allow them to open our eyes to see God at work around us and in us and will we allow them to push us straight into his arms to lean in to our deep need for him because I promise in those discomfort moments just like the Holy Spirit was beckoning you here he is beckoning you here he is calling to you because he is your source and he wants to give you the grace and the perseverance and the patience and the strength and the joy to walk through those discomfort times of life. I pray that when he beckons, you would choose to lean in. So let's pray. God, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. Life is full of uncomfortable moments. Life is full of grievable and I thank you that you walked a path where we can follow because we saw you grieve. We saw your heartbreak. We saw you get righteously angry. We got to witness you in the fullness of a human life. And you, God, are our source. And you understood. So we have a high priest that understands our needs who understands what we need when we need it. And so God, when those discomfort moments come, would you beckon us so loudly that we would choose to push in and push through, to embrace the pain, to push past with grace, and to put our faith into practice. Would you allow our Give us eyes to see you at work and to remind us of our need for you, God. In your precious name, amen. Well, let me close with this and then I have a few announcements for you. Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 21. And now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing through jesus christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen well i'm so glad that you have joined us today online if you want to join with us in person if you're watching this on september 27th then we are gathering tonight for our sunday p.m gathering here at the church at 6.30. There are still spaces, so if you have not yet registered, we ask that you do that so that we can um, ensure that we are adhering to that 50% capacity as per our provincial government. So go to myevangel.church forward slash relaunch to register for that. Now we did mention last week that we are moving communion to these Sunday p.m. gatherings going forward. Um, and we had someone reach out and say, you know what, we would love to be there, but because of our own health challenges, that's just not a reality. And I thank you so much for allowing us to have that perspective. And so if you are not able to be here at 6.30, hop back onto Facebook or YouTube, whatever.
wherever you're watching it, or church from right now, and we are going to be premiering our communion service at 6.30, so you can participate in communion with all of the people that are gathered in person. We can still do this together as one body of Christ. You can also register for our preaching punch coming up on Wednesday night, September the 30th, at that same link, myevangelist.church forward slash relaunch. Well, if what we're doing here is adding value to you, if it's helping you uh, progress in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? It has been a tight season, but we are so thankful for your faithfulness, for your generosity that has allowed us to weather the storm uh, better than so many have. But we would greatly appreciate your help in continuing forward. And honestly, every single penny helps. There's no gift too small um, to allow God to multiply it and use it to advance his kingdom here in Powell River. And so you can come by the church today. We're here until 12 o'clock for drive through generosity. We're also here in Memphis Monday through Thursday from 9 to 5 p.m. Or you can give online at myevangelist.church forward slash give, myevangelist.church forward slash give. Well, speaking of growing your faith and helping you along on your faith journey, we have been really wrestling with how do we do that? How do we have our community group um, up and running this fall? And just with what is continuing to happen in our world and what has happened in our community in the past couple of weeks, we have decided that the way we're gonna do that is back on Zoom. So if you had joined our Zoom community groups um, in the spring, we're back on Zoom. I know we're all Zoomed out, but we are going to praise God even through the discomfort of another online meeting. And we're gonna just be so grateful to meet together and to learn and dig deep into the Word of God together. Um, even if that's not in the medium we would hope for, which it is not. So October 8th is the start date for that. We're going to start our community groups October 8th, and that Zoom link will be on our website. So make sure that you're keeping your eyes there. The very last thing um, is that we had talked with you guys last week about trunk or treat. And one of our values here at Evangel Church is that we are blessed to be a blessing we want to meet practical needs to show love and the, the great, great love of Jesus to our community. And one of the ways that we think that we can tangibly do that this year is to give kids a safe place to trick or treat. <laughs> Every child loves candy, and this year's no exception, even though COVID has happened. So what we are going to be doing is having 15 cars physically distanced um, in the parking lot and run four parades uh, with closed capacity that will have to be registered for um, through those 15 cars. So here's how you can help. Number one is that we need candy. Um, we are going to be having 15 cars. We're hoping for 120 kids. Uh, which would allow us to do four parades. So if you do the math, that means we need a lot and a lot and a lot of candy. So if you are out grocery shopping, throw a box of candy in your cart, um, swing it on by to the church, and we are gonna have some, 
sometimes coming up where we can assemble some goodie bags, mask gloves, the whole thing, so it'll be nice and safe. If you would like to be one of those 15 cars that are here uh, to give out candy, then you can head over to myevento.church forward slash relaunch. At the very bottom of the page, there's a trunk or treat one that says car registration. Go ahead and fill that out. We will ask that you decorate the trunk of your car however you want. Luau, Jungle, Monsters Incorporated, you decide. And that only one person um, is there with the car to hand out the candy bags. Again, to ensure that we are abiding by the mandate that our property only have 50 people on it at one time. And then we would ask that you spread the word to your neighbors, to your friends. If you have kids that you get in on it yourself, register for a parade for you and your children. Uh, we, again, we need to know everyone who's going to be on the property. So parents and kids both need to register. Um, but spread the word because an invite from you always means more than some sort of mass advertisement from us. I'm rambling. So thank you so much, friends, for joining us this morning. We are so glad to have this even opportunity. And I am so doubly excited to see you in person tonight at 6.30 p.m. If you've not registered, there is space still available, so make sure that you do that now. Have a great day.